You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's the Flyers after dark week here on Orange and Backcheck. They are... Their same old typical selves. Not that great. Not that bad. What's going on? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you're subscribing to Orange and Back Check on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all wherever you're listening to our to us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star review. I am Bill Kornfeld, and across from me, as always... This guy without COVID, unlike me, Scott Weinhart. What's going on, brother? I'm I'm glad I'm more than six feet. Definitely social distancing. More mm-hmm. like sixty miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor uh, guy, man. That really sucks. Yeah, I, and as I said on the last episode, I it was the same day that I got boosted. Uh, it it was a very it's a weird weird scenario. I mean, I I don't know what could have happened. I mean, I take the subway every day, just about. So maybe it finally got to me. Yeah. Uh, but it's just. I'm fine. Uh, mild symptoms, just kind of lower back pain, which I which I only just found out between you and my wife, Heather, that 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 is a sign specifically to Omicron yeah. uh, and a sore throat. Again, one of those things that comes with Omicron. So I'll get through it. Um, I'm out of work. I'm working from home uh, the best I can uh, for my job uh, until at least Thursday. But I think I'm probably going to take the entire week if I'm going to take a guess. So. It's all good. I've been I, I, the good thing is I've been able to watch the Flyers after dark. I mean, yeah. I mean, like that was that was the one benefit. I got to suffer through that Los Angeles Kings game for 40 <laughs> minutes after just giving up on this team and realizing that they bagged that one. But the San Jose and Seattle were fun games, as fun as they can be for this team. I think I and and we'll talk about the Sean Couturier injury as the big story on but uh, the big theme this week on what this impacts for this team, because obviously he's a Selkie winner uh, and he should be a consistently, consistently a Selkie finalist year in and year out. If, if you're asking my opinion, but I, I just think the, the, the last three games have been a, a, a microcosm again, we, and it's not even a microcosm anymore. It's just who they, this team is. They're so up and down for short stints of time on the good and then really long stints of time on the poor play, the poor entry zones, the poor exit strategies, and just the poor overall play. And you're relying very, very heavily on the guys of Martin Jones and you set up uh, Felix Sandstrom to just bail yourselves out. And he looks solid, but you can't do that to a rookie goaltender, let alone a guy on his first year uh, career NHL playoffs or NHL game start. It's just, it, it's, it's mind boggling how much pressure this team is putting on their goaltenders right now. 
look, they are what they are at this point. Unfortunately, yeah. look, you have to look at the the whole picture. You know, against Seattle, you for every you know first game back takes a little time to get the rust off. You know, yeah, you have problems where you get the over. You were down in that game late, and then came back to tie it and then win it in overtime, which is big, which is big. You know, San Jose, that was a tough back and forth game. That was a really, really high, but you could just see the difference in the speed. Like San Jose, just everything they do is much more, it's much faster. They, they're, they're passing their zone exits, every, the way they skate, just they, they move the puck around very quickly. They're a hard team to play against like that. You know, they had a lot of good chances in that game. James Reimer was there and he's played very well for them this year. Um, so, I mean, I can't really fault them. They, they had their chances in overtime. They had a couple of plays where they – and Travis Sanheim mixing, messing up on that, making a mistake on where they were going to put the puck on that three-on-three, which caused it to go the other way. Sanchez makes a great save, but, um, you know, it, it's banged home by the Sharks. I think it was – was it Logan Couture or was it Thomas Harlow? Well, I think it was Logan Couture. Yeah, it was so, Couture. So, and then the Kings, like, you just – the Kings played one of those games the other night. It just, like – you weren't going to beat them because the Kings were just outworking them. And it's not because the Flyers, this is going to sound crazy. It's not because they played overly poorly. It's just they had they had moments of that game where they got beat by the stretch pass and they got subpar goaltending from Martin Jones. But it goes back to what you're saying. They did put a lot of pressure on their goaltending. But I think that it's bigger now. And you're not using injuries as an excuse. But you're seeing how much the injuries have really held this team back to this point. And the fact that let, let's take, let's take all things considered with all of that. Boston may have four games in hand, but the flyers are only one, uh, two points out of a playoff spot right now. But here's, here's the key I'm looking at after losing 10 straight, you just went seven straight with getting a point. I mean, it's the third time they'll, you know, the flyers think that they've done that at least yeah, that many times posted, that graphic put it out. Yeah. But. We saw that graphic by NBC sports Philly and we posted it on our Twitter at orange at, at O bat check. I mean, it's sad that the three times that they have had <laughs> in the th- history of the league, it was basically along the lines of a te- the the longest point streak after a team had a had a ten game losing streak, and three of those time those times were the specific for r- exactly the Philadelphia Flyers. It- it's pretty incredible, and twice have been in the last five years. Yeah, that's the craziest part. Somebody said specifically, I th- I don't know if it was Bill Matz, but it was somebody else who said. This graphic specifically exists because of the Flyers. <laughs> it's yes. The truth. Yes. It was Calgary with the other team. And I, I forget who else, but maybe uh, Bill Bill maybe. Matt's replied to us on Twitter saying that, yeah, I also like to show my scars, too, I guess. <laughs> like that. That's exactly what it is. Like you're, yeah. you're displaying how much you cut our uh, the fans on the arm and just say it's just a scratch, guys. You're fine. Yeah, it's 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 out of control at this point. I mean, somebody's got to be smarter than that. To, to, to be able to put that graphic up there. Hey, let's be proud of the fact that the Flyers have done this three times. Like, I, I wouldn't want to put that out there and be like, you know, let, let somebody dig for that. That's more of like if you're Ruben Frank or Ray Dinger finding one of those stats. Not, yes. You don't want to put that and say, hey, fans, check out what we're doing. We suck. Yeah. And, and, and but to Hooray, the- we suck. Yeah, but I think at the same time, what they're trying to convey is like it's not over. Like they made the playoffs the last time they had a 10 game losing streak again, which is in 2015, 2016, whatever it was. Uh, and you, like you said, they're two points out. Now Boston does have games in hand, but they got to convert those points. 
I'm going to guess that they're going to convert a significant amount of them because they're a pretty good hockey team uh, compared to us. But I also look at what I look at when I when I see these these how close they are in the standings is the goal differential. You learn a lot from the goal differential than anything else. Flyers are minus 21. Like oh, yeah. there's there's that's something to be said that that we talked about how well Martin Jones, Carter Hart, and honestly, Felix Sandrum. Felix Sandrum spun on his head the other night uh, in San Jose, and all credit to him. He just couldn't get it done because his offense wasn't producing in front of him and uh, to the to a consistent point. So it, like, it, it all comes down to when I see a minus 21, when you know that, uh, for the majority of, of opinions is that the goalies have been playing very well, Offense continues to just not do its job. Now, they've gotten better over Mike Yo. You saw JVR say that he feels like he's back in a different role, being utilized a little bit better in the offense, and that's a good thing. I'm glad that we're seeing that, and you're seeing it on the ice, too, uh, because JVR is, I think he is or he was, the leading scorer for the team since Mike Yo had taken over. So, yeah, I I, I do think the offense will improve, but – it's it, it. We're in January, and you're on your West Coast trip, and yeah, you're 30 games in, 33 games in, but that means you only got 50 points or 50 games left on left to go, and you got to convert and make up a deficit here. Here, here's the issue. Here's the issue. Here's the issue, and this is what people aren't looking at as a whole is that they're they're not really a complete team. They're relying on a lot of young guys to do a lot of things that they were prepared to do with this roster this season. You know, Brian Ellis. You know, it's been reported today that he's not making progress. You can, you can get away with losing a guy like Ryan Ellis for a period of time if the rest of your team is healthy. That hasn't been the case. So defensively, they're not getting the, that, that great zone, uh, that, that great out-of-the-zone pass that he's known for, you know, that, that stability on, and, and being able to contribute on the power play. That's a big problem there. You can get away with that, and you could keep your head above water like they did for a little while there with the seven-game point streak, but now they just lost Trump Couturier. So you're talking two of your biggest playmakers that you were expecting to contribute, and you have Kevin Hayes who's just come back and isn't quite, you know, not to say 100%, but he's not quite where he needs to be as of yet. You know, he's going to have to pick up those top line minutes, and he's not a top line guy. No disrespect to him, he just he's not a guy who's going to put on that many minutes and, and be that play driver that Sean Couturier is because they're just he's he's a different player. It, you you can survive it for a while, but I, I have concerns with this team now moving forward because if Ryan Ellis is not getting healthy and Sean Couturier is going to be week to week at this point, not day to day, week to week, that's that's a major problem. So, I mean, you know, you look to hope and think that maybe this is one of those miracle things where like they pulled like, a, you know, in February 2010 where they – you know, who shot out of Canada and pretty much won every single game in February. If I go back and look, I think they only lost like one or two games in February and they really climbed back in that portion of the month. But when a condensed schedule, it's a little too little too late. And unless you start getting guys healthy, you know, you don't use injuries as an excuse. But when you're filling out the bottom of your lineup of guys you're scrimping and scraping from your AHL team who's got their own problems as it is, yeah. you know, you, that's not really a, a formula for winning. So the coaching part was one part. They fixed that they've got Mike Yo playing. And, and, and since that change, you're right. JVR has been taken off. Joel Farabee looks like he's going to be playing like himself again. And Claude Giroux is still playing very well, but you without Sean Couturier, without Ryan Ellis, you know, and without having a, a really good bottom six, like a guy like Derek Broussard coming back, he'll help a little bit. You without your bottom six, really helping you contribute even more. 
that's a, that's another problem. Scott Lawton will help. It'll, it'll be a good one-two punch for the Flyers there with Hayes and Lawton. You hope that it might work out, but let's also think of this too. How bad has COVID affected these guys? This just might be a flawed product at this point, and we might just be living it out. And yes, they won. So they got seven points out of their. Uh, they got points out of the last seven games minus this one. But w- what's going to happen going forward? It's not that they can't play with these teams, but if they're not healthy enough to do it, I mean, that's another problem on its own. No matter how much depth you have, you lose two of your top players. I mean, <laughs> that's asking a lot of a young team that you're pulling a lot of players from the AHL as well. Yeah, and you're not allowing them to do the proper development that you expect them to do in the AHL. Like you said, the, the Phantoms down in up in Lehigh are decimated by injury. That's why La- Lapierre is dealing with, I think they only have seven or eight wins on the year that right now. Like it's just, it's a pro- it's a bad product. And it's also a problem because it, it's just, again, it goes to, I think we might've overvalued what Ron Hextall had done for this team in terms of the draft, like the, the depth that we thought was there. And, and also Chuck Fletcher doesn't go, we get away with it either. He's already had two, uh, drafts under his belt. One guy in Tyson Forrester has already had the sho- shoulder surgery, and he's going to be out, I think, another three months at least, if I'm not mistaken, because he hurt himself in November or late October, and they said it was a five-month injury. So it- it's just you're hamstringing yourself in terms of trying to develop your players uh, and also have a competitive roster at the NHL NHL level and the AHL level. Like it, it, You're uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place because you are. now you really you're trying are. to figure out what do you do with your roster? Do you, yeah, like we said, you're two points out of a playoff spot. But at the same time, there's going to come a point when Chuck Fletcher has to look at himself in the mirror, look at his players on the on on the tape and on the on, on the chalkboard, and say, what do I? What can I get out of this in terms of trade value? Like, because we're gonna, there's going to be talks of sell, sell, sell very soon. Uh, whether that who that includes and what that includes, I don't know. Because again, we're talking about a roster that is young, that is under talented, uh, underwhelming, and just not very valuable to the rest of the league. Yeah, Sean Couturier is very valuable. You just signed him, so that's going to be impossible to move, uh, if not even remotely a chance. Like you, you could maybe trade uh, JVR for a six round pick. Like, like if you're lucky. So the problem that that Chuck Fletcher has is not a simple one. And I, I like, do you just punch it out or hold out and hope for the best that Mike Yo can get a, a competitive team so you can try and convince yourself that, yeah, let's buy something in here. But th- this is and it doesn't make it any easier now that Sean Couturier is week to week. Sean Couturier week to week is your best player. And now he's sitting on the sideline along with Ryan Ellis, who we have no idea when he's coming back. It's a mess right now, and it it, 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 it it's feels. A mess. I, I know, and I know you said it that they're only two games out, but they feel like they're fifteen game, fifteen points out. It does, it does feel like that. And like I understand the fans' frustration with all this stuff. This is not how you expect it, but you know, I, I try to I try to compare this into into to football terms for people. I, I just so maybe you can understand it a little better. For every one NFL game, it's worth five NHL games. Okay, let's put it in that perspective. I'm not comparing apples to oranges here, so don't shut up with your hot takes if you're having one in your car right now or wherever you're listening <laughs> to this. The Eagles started two and five. We thought this team sucks. They've been decimated by injury. They're not good, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, they turn around. They win six out of seven, and now all of a sudden, they're they're in the playoffs. So 
that's, that's huge. So I'm saying it's, it's not that it's possible is that you really have to look at this team and not what they're doing on a night in night out basis, but you want to look at a sample size about every five games. So they had a really bad moment there, which really set them back with losing 10 in a row. That, that doesn't yeah. help anybody. That's, that's, you know, an eighth of the season that's been pissed away, so to speak. But understand is that despite all of this, there are still 50 games to play. So if you yeah. want to take that in terms, you're talking, you still have probably what eight, nine NFL games. If you're comparing so if I could tell you that, yes, they're not playing that well. And they, they're week to week right now. Okay. So maybe you get to what? Maybe you get to game 41. Maybe you get to game 45 before, you know, you finally get Sean Couturier back. Maybe that time there's maybe around game 50. You're still around where you have Ryan Ellis. You still have 30 games left. That's still about roughly, I don't know, about five games. If you're talking about an NFL season, you can do a lot there. So I'm just trying to make a comparison for people understand is that it's not as bad as people look. It's still the fact that they're still in this thing. The only issue that they need to do really to kind of keep their, keep going is do what they did the last seven games. Just get points. Like it, it there's some games that they're going to play and they're going to suck and it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to be frustrated by it, but this is an imperfect product, but you can get by if you can continue to nab those points. Yes. You want to get two points every single game, but if you, get two points one game and then you drop one in a shootout or you drop one in overtime guess what it's still three out of four points yeah but is, I, I and it's 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 moving him in the right direction but they they have to kind of learn on the fly here i just don't know how it's going to be very difficult to overcome and, and and try to keep their heads above water with both of those guys especially sean couturier i think they can do it it would be a lot to ask but that means other players we have to step to step up and i don't think we can sell this team short yet because at the end of the day, it's still young in the season. They've played 32 games, okay? Believe it or not, there are only 32 games into this. There are 50 games to go. They were just shut down for over a week. So, And then they go out to the West Coast and pick up at a six points and pick up half of them. When historically, they don't do well on those trips out there. They still have another game against Anaheim tomorrow. And Anaheim's pretty well, but they think that Trevor Zegras was on a COVID protocol list, if I'm not mistaken. So if they can get your break with Luton out having played against that guy, maybe they catch John Gibson on an off night or they play their backup on Anthony Stolars, who they have familiarity with. So yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of intangibles here to have to look at and say, hey, look, it's it's yes, it's not fun now. It sucks right now. But at the end of the day, you're still a lot closer to the beginning than you are the end of the season. So that you have to take it with a grain of salt here and say, look, if you had this team come out and they want 10 in a row and be like, oh my God, this is great. Well, guess what? We've seen that book before and the ending sucks because they have yeah. won 10 in a row and they missed the playoffs. No, especially because if they, they're 32 games in, we're talking about the, the, the halfway point. So they have eight games to convince us that that first half wasn't a total wash, like or 32. To, yeah, nine games. They have nine game, games to figure it out until we reach that 41 game halfway point because we're going to hit that in this month. I think the, though, 20th. what's that? January 20th against Columbus. Right. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, the point the point bagging is nice. The, you're getting some sort of points. You're getting a point here uh, in San Jose. You're getting two points in Seattle and so forth. The problem is it's not. You can't, and this is going to be determined on when you come back to the East Coast and you're playing up against your division opponents, those points turn into the classic three-point games. 
You're not just talking about the two points that you have to convert. You have to eliminate the chance of the other team converting on a point. Yeah, it's nice to get that two points, but Pittsburgh also gained a point. So they still are moving ahead of you uh, or moving up a little bit in the standings there. You gained a point on them, but not the full two points by getting them, preventing them a, 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 a getting any type of point. In hockey, yeah, after a 10-game losing streak, getting seven game, seven points in seven games or whatever it was is nice to say. Um, but it, it, at the same time, winning is what gets you in the playoffs. It's not it's not overtime. 100% loss. agree. 100% so agree. I, I think what we need to see here is sp- the earlier the better. If they can get it in January without Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis and someone steps up, the Travis Connecties of the world, the Joel Farabies, the JVRs, then you can string together five, six. You know, I'm not asking for a 10 game winning streak here to counterbalance what you did in, in December and November. What I'm asking is just something of a get something to string together, not just points, but wins. Because if you're getting wins string strung together, then you're moving up in the standings, not just uh, for yourselves, but up, up and going up against the player, the teams that are ahead of you. When you're facing Boston, Detroit's ahead of you right now, New Jersey, or, or uh, the, the, the uh, Rangers. Like You have to think of it as three-point games from almost here on out, certainly from February on out, if you're in the same position that you're in now. like You have to cut back on any type of point bagging for the other team, not just yourselves. And I agree. And I don't disagree with you at all. But right now, given the condition you're in, this is would be something to keep your head, keep your keep the team afloat. They start dropping points to get no points here and there. At least one's better than two. Yes, other teams might be bagging it, but at the same time, there's going to be a point where that team might slump. So you make it up on them then, or when you make it up when you get healthy, and when you have to, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of people who are extra critical of this team, which is, believe it or not, it, it's very warranted. I don't know right? if it's extra critical. I think it's just, uh, um, it's warranted. People are frustrated. The, the yeah, product it's sucks. It's not entertaining. Over, it's, it's not it's, entertaining. Yeah. It's frustration over not just this season, over the first 32 games this season, but over the last 400 games or so, or the last couple of seasons, like it's just, it's they're tiresome. Not, they're not bad enough to be out of it, and they're not good yes. enough to be in it. it and it's mediocrity. Pro- and it's the problem that we're going to be continuing to face until something gives, whether someone steps up, but that we're not expecting to step up, which is I, like a Morgan Frost. Like, I like who are we not expecting to step up? Step up. Like, that's the problem. There's there's too much pressure on players that we shouldn't be putting pressure on. That, to your point uh, earlier, and it's like the players that we do want to have, like Travis Konechny is playing well compared to the rest of his draft class, if you look back on it. But it's still not enough to what you need from him after getting a contract two years ago. And that goes to what you've been saying over the last couple of years and not living up to that contract. It's like you're just kind of stuck. It's just it's you're stuck and you don't know what to do. And Chuck Fletcher, I don't think, knows what to do. See, I think it's that. They again, it goes back to the identity, it goes back to the ownership that Comcast sucks as ownership with this team, and the culture's yep. not the same. There's a lot, there's a lot to it, but it's also in a salary cap world, it's also in a world where you know business decisions drive everything else in this league, and it they're just not they're not a premier team right now. They're not a they're not a, a an in-demand team, they're boring, but they have they know that their fans are gonna come back and they're gonna watch it. There's gonna be absolutely nothing that these fans will do to stop watching the games. And until that happens, until those ratings take a nosedive, until those seats 
don't have asses in them at the at the Wells Fargo Center, there, there's not going to be any wholesale changes. So you don't think that Fletcher is going to get fired after this season because of injury problems. It, it's going to take a lot more than that. And do we have answers of what that a lot more will be? No, because you don't. People are still going to go to the games. They're still going to whine. They're still going to say this team sucks. I'm not going to ruin my tickets. I don't want to go to the game. You're still going to have people going to it, buying their merchandise, doing all that stuff. And today, that's what makes them happy. They can give a shit what goes on on that ice. No, just, you're right. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care. They obviously don't care because they would do more if that's the case to make sure that they could find an entertaining team to watch. Because like when I watch Flyers on the West Coast. I like watching the other teams, not so much the Flyers, because they play a different brand of hockey. Like the Kings play a boring style of hockey to me because they're a a team that's coached very defensively. And it's they have a team where they don't give up a lot of chances, but they will strike if the iron's hot and at the case they do that every once in a while. San Jose plays a fast game. They have a lot of good players. They find talent that's fast. They find people that's exciting, keeps people going, keeps people in the seats. The Flyers don't really have that. They draft guys who match their identity of what years past, like tough guy, tougher guys who will stick up and be kind of like piss ants, like a Travis Konechny, tougher guys and grinding guys like Scott Lawton, quiet leaders like Sean Couturier. But that's not that's not selling anything nowadays. It's not keeping people involved. It's not keeping people interested enough to watch a team that's mediocre because you know, and, and it's not enough, especially with this going on with the injuries and having guys on the roster that you don't really know the names of. Like, who the hell knows Patrick Brown? Does anybody know he's 29 years old? No, he's been right. around a bit. Does anybody know Max Millman? No. Everybody's talking about Zach McEwen. Like, hey, no disrespect to Zach McEwen at all because he gives it all out there. But you got to have some skill behind it, too. Zach can play, but he's not the most skilled player on the team, so that's not going to win you anything. So people appreciate the heart and the hustle the guy's got, but if you're talking about Zach McEwen being the most impactful player on your team, you already have behind the eight ball. So that's that's what this team now needs to figure out is where they want to go with it next. And, you know, I know we talked in circles about this before, but this is what happens when you have a team that all of a sudden, hey, gr- hey great, our, our biggest stars have injury problems and they're not going to be in the lineup. How do you keep the fans involved? How do you keep them interested? That's I don't think that they really care about that specific part of it. They say they do on the front of it, but at the end of the day, they're just in the back counting the dollars. And if the dollars are still pouring in, they're not going to make any wholesale changes because to them, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yeah, to them, and it, it ain't broke. And they're they're counting the dollars and they're saying, where's Gritty's next next appearance? Yeah. Like and which is also dollars because yeah. it is a pretty penny to get Gritty to make an appearance at any private event. Not not a Philadelphia home ice game or like it's just one of those things. And like you said, until something changes, that it, that's not Listen, anything that's going to happen. Let, let's talk about let's talk about some of what, when when were you most engaged as a Flyers fan? Let me ask you that. When were you most yeah. engaged as a Flyers fan? You specifically, when were you engaged? Between the years 20, 2008 through probably 2015. Yeah, those are good. Not years. even, and it might even, and might even be earlier than that in terms of when when it ended. Probably like it, it probably ended in like 2013, 2014. Yeah, I'll never forget 2013, 14 was a weird year because they it, they had that game that series where they went back and forth with Rangers to game seven. I'll never forget them having a power play late in that game, and Claude Giroux having a great look off the circle, drilled it, hit the side of the net. And you just saw the air go out and just felt like the moment. I just felt like they knew they were going to score there. And when they didn't, they just never got it back. That juice. I don't know. I, I will always remember that. I mean, that I, I just felt like the juice left the flyers that day. I don't know why, yeah. but going back, you know, 
I can remember what was so magical about some of those teams, you know, going back to the 2000s. What were they about? They were they were tough. Okay, they had an edge. They had an identity. You might beat them, but you weren't going to destroy them. You weren't going to outwork them. They were going to have tough games, but they were never going to be outworked. They had they struggled with a lot of injuries, but found ways to find guys to step up and get through it. Even okay, so in post lockout, okay, they make wholesale changes. They really changed the quarter to Richardson Carter. They really built that core around Richards Carter. Then they get guys like Upshaw, like Lupel. They get young, energetic guys who fit that mold to really get the fans excited and juiced and and, and really going. And then they go and make a, a crazy run to the Stanley Cup final 2010 after making those right moves to get Chris Pronger and everything went to shit that year. And they worked back and they got the game six of the final and then. They, you know, have the worst goal probably ever given up and for a Stanley Cup. But the next year they come back and they are they're a couple points away from the President's Trophy. You know, they kept the fans interested. They and then even when they traded Richard and Carter, whoa, traded two of the big guys. Okay, let's go sign Yarmir Yager. They made another big move to keep people interested. And then guess what? They go and have a great run that year. Lockout year the following year, take a step back. Then you rebuild and have the 13-14 team with a whole new core again. You have Steve Mason. You have it's Wayne Simmons. You have Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux. All those guys would stepped up in 12-13, even though they make the playoffs, made improvements then. All those things to keep them interested. And then steadily over the past few years, just being able to be, okay, well, we're not great. We're not good enough. We can make the playoffs. Make the playoffs is the goal. And then, they, you know, but they were never, they never made the right moves to get over the top. And part of that's the league itself because players don't move as much as they used to. And I think it's absolutely atrocious for the league that the, the, the player, the big names don't move. I've said it a million times, but all that stuff that we're not good enough to win the state cup. We're going to add pieces. We're going to add pieces, little pieces we can. And we're up against the salary cap. And we're trying to draft. Well, and this is years of, <coughs> excuse me, dress dr- trading away, decent draft capital for the win. And now you're trying to rebuild the cupboard, but you're not hitting on your picks like you need to. So th- there's there's nothing here where they're trying to find ways to find people to get interested in players that they, they think are going to provide energy down the line and, and somebody, and then they're not panning out. And it's not keeping fans interested because right now, you know, they should have players who are really, really connected with the city, like the bullies did, like the teams in the 90s did, like the teams in the 2000s really felt connected to the city. And you're still relying on 34-year-old Claude Giroux to do that for you. I don't think the team and, – and, and Gritty, honestly, really, it comes down to you're really relying on Gritty to connect with the, with the city, yeah. and, that, and that's, yeah. not, that's not enough. And I, I really think that, you know, while I'm going on this tangent, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's led to this. It's led to fans just tired of it. Fans tired of the bullshit. Like it's really yep. comes, and I don't blame people for not watching and getting frustrated over this stuff, you know. But the thing is, you see all the comments on Twitter; they're still watching. And at the end of the day, Comcast is not going to care yeah, unless that's... they stop watching, and that's not happening. So they're good enough to keep you interested, but not good enough to get to the promised land. No, and and now they have they have one more West Coast game uh, in Anaheim. I imagine Carter Hart's going to play. Uh, from what it sounded like now that he's in with the team after his code of COVID protocol uh, being released, Scott Lawton will probably be back in the lineup. And then they come home for a, a nice three game win uh, home stand. But you're starting out with your state rival in, in Pittsburgh. Then you're playing San Jose again. 
Uh, and then before we record, after, right before we record, or right after we record our next episode, they, they got Carolina at home. So, like, what what is it? The, the week ahead is not, you can make some damage because you have two uh, interconference games that you can get some gain some points here, especially because they're not just in conference, they're in division with Pittsburgh and Carolina. But you first have Anaheim, who's a decent team, uh, and then San Jose, who you just uh, lost to in 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 overtime. So it's like I I, I can't get like it's just uh, they have six points on the table. Just give me three, and I'll that's what they'll get because uh, that's how it goes. And I think you you'd be okay with three. The, I mean, here's the concern that they have on the schedule this week is that Anaheim's lost four straight. Yeah. So and the thing is, though, is they don't have. Trevor Zegris, they have they, and they who's who's been who's been added to the COVID uh, protocol list. So he's been a huge sensation for this team. If you remember last week with him and Sonny Milano uh, hitting that by uh, that Michigan behind the net, where Sonny Milano Matt headed in and John Tortorella saying that's not good for the game. No, it's great for the game actually. It's fantastic for the game because it's fun. It gets people engaged, and because who the hell else wants to watch Buffalo and Anaheim play hockey? They're like nobody gives a shit about New York. Nobody gives a shit about the other team in California. You know, but it got national attention because they made a great play. That's tension of the game. That's what we're talking about here. But I think that with Anaheim, Anaheim is a team that, listen, they have some of the best goaltending you're going to get. Anthony Stoller has got a 932 save percentage this season. He's a really turned out to be a really good backup on the team. He's 6-2-1. and one. I bet you 10-1 to one he gets to start against his former team. But also John Gibson, too. I mean, nobody really knows about John Gibson, even though he's a Pittsburgh guy from the West Coast. But John Gibson has been one of the better goaltenders in this in this league for better part of four or five years now. So um, John Gibson's they, they, just their goaltending alone, even if they don't have that offensive push, they're going to be a hard team to score against and a team that's struggling to score at some point. So uh, that's a big one for them. Pittsburgh, I mean, like that's a rivalry game. If you can't get up for that, I mean, go to hell. I mean, Pittsburgh is is one eight straight. They're hot right now. They're very, very hot. They're playing very good hockey. You know, they're led by guys like Sidney Crosby. Evgeny Malkin, I believe, is if not back, he's close to being back. And Jeff Carter's having a really good season as well. People forget Jeff Carter's a penguin now. Yeah. So yeah. he's having a really good season there, playing third line minutes, you know, for an older guy. So he's still got some gas in the tank and is doing some damage. So and, and they still have a pretty solid defense. Jake Gensel's back. They have, and who obviously offense, he's not defense, but they also have Chris Tang, and they're getting solid goaltending. So you can't really, you know, look at that and say that's a that's that's an easy point. It's it's not, but that's a rivalry game, so you should be up for it. And finally, you've got on the on the list this week. If I can pull up my schedule here, you've got uh, you've got San, San Jose. Jose again. Yeah. yeah. So um, with San Jose, you just played them. You see what kind of game they play. They play a fast paced game. You know, it depends on, on who you're getting as far as, you know, you you know, you can play with them. You've been playing down at times, especially that second pair was pretty disastrous. But if you get good goaltending, you know, you can keep them in it. Um, you know, it just it, that that's that's always a toss up game as well, because James Reimers played very well for them this year. Their other goaltender, Aiden Hill, their tandem goaltender, uh, was a monster. He's six foot six, six feet, six inches tall. He's a huge guy came from Phoenix last season. Overall, he's played OK, but, you know, it. They, they, they just the Flyers need a break with some of this stuff. And they they're playing three teams where they're not going to get any easy matchups and goals. So. Not any easy matchups. And there there's no time anymore for a break, like in terms no. of like just waiting for that. Take a quick respite to reset yourselves and then get back on the ice. Like the games are too condensed. They're obviously already postponed now because of the the Christmas holiday uh, uh, pause that they did. 
You're not going to the Olympics. You're probably not having an all-star game, despite what they say. I'm not convinced they're going to do an all-star game. They'll do an all-star team, uh, but they're not going to do an all-star game. Like I would be shocked. So it's, it's, you have, it's just, it's the problem that they had last year under AV for the entire season where they just didn't have enough. They don't have practice time. Well, they did it. They do have practice time this year, but they don't have enough practice time to reset themselves and get right and figure it out. Like it, it's, that's why I think we're just tucking limbo and maybe they improve in their, like you said, they're two points out, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like 15 because yeah. of how poorly they've been playing the second period, especially like you said, uh, and just overall, it feels very sluggish, very boring hockey that they don't have an identify a, a identity to, to figure out. And then that's what you get when you're, you're, it feels like you're in it, but your goal differential is minus 21, and you're really not that close to being back in it until you make some key wins, not just wins, but right. key wins over rivals, right. in-division opponents, uh, and that hasn't happened yet. Well, you know what? Look, last week we were singing a different tune because we were jacked up because they played pretty well. You know, and like, hey, like they've won, they've won three straight, and, you know, like, oh, they've gotten points and all that. We're jacked up. Now this week we're upset because – you know, they dropped two out of three and had some injury problems. But look, at the end of the day, despite everything that's going on, stranger things have happened. They're 32 games in. Don't shut it off yet. Give it, give them a chance. Yeah, I, I know it sounds crazy. I know I sound like I'm, I'm probably way too optimistic for some of the for some people listening. To this. I mean, I appreciate the optimism. But look, it's still early. It's still early. Even when, is, too, when, games, is, it, when is it too late, though? When is it too late? When you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, see, but the, like the the Washington football team was not mathematically eliminated until they lost the Eagles, but they were basically out of it. Like they, they I mean, straight look, the, the St. Louis because, Blues because were dead the, last because, in 2019 and won the Stanley I understand, Cup. but they also won one games and, and they got on a hot streak. Are you telling me you exactly. anticipate like there's nothing? I don't know if I anticipate. I'm saying the, it's not out of the question for this team to be able to do it. Look here, I go on one more rant to end the show. Okay. There is a team here where if guys start to step up now and start getting their confidence back and they start putting pucks in the back of the net and start playing pretty decently, they might not be getting all the points in every single game, but once they're at full strength, you're going to have a team playing with confidence because it's only going to make them better. Okay. You don't win. You don't go and lose 10 games and then get seven, get points out of your next seven. For for not for lack of confidence, you're you're con- they're a confident bunch. They had a bad game against against Los Angeles. Just played a better game. They just at the end of the day, they happen. But in five game increments, if you're looking at this, I can go back to it and say, look at this team in five game increments. That's what you do. You look at them in five game increments. You'll see that this team is is better than people think. It's it's just a matter of getting the pieces back and getting them on the ice and giving this team some confidence and. I think they'll be on the right track, but these younger guys have got to step up now. They, they need more from everybody. Everybody's got to chip in and do this. You can't because Sean Couturier is out now. You have to do it by committee. It might be boring hockey, but if you're getting two points, you know, teams getting none or one, then that's what matters at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Orange and Backcheck. Oh, I didn't even say the name number. What is this? Episode 99? The Gretzky is the, episode? Is this the Gretzky episode? I think Who it knows? is. The greatest I don't know. one ever. I, uh, you'll see it in the description. I completely forgot because I have COVID <laughs> brain. I don't know where I am anymore. Nice job, Bill. Nice job. Uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been Orange and Backcheck. Make sure you're subscribing at Orange and Backcheck. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, YouTube, 
all that good stuff. Orange and backtrack at gmail.com. If you have a fan question, uh, we'll read it on the air. Make sure you're subscribing to us and giving us five star reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Spotify does reviews now. Give us those five stars. That'll be awesome. Uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. I have COVID brain. This sucks. <laughs> oh.